Last time on the Bestow Curse podcast, our heroes learned of strict quarantine measures surrounding old Corvosa and sought refuge with Sylvie's family. The party then journeyed to Carowin Manor, encountering none other than Joldana Suspirio amidst a horde of the undead. Will the necromantic partygoers sweep our heroes up in their eternal dance? The Cursed Campaign continues now. Well, hey guys, welcome to Zombie Time. It's it's we're playing Hope Finder now because it's all zombies in here. Hmm. I don't. I still don't get that. It's the it's the third party zombie hack of Pathfinder Two E. You guys are a level too high to play yeah, Hope Finder. We're, we're, we're gonna push you back down to level <laughs> <Yeah>. five. <laughs> Shut. Gotta give up all my magicalness. <laughs> yeah, give up all your magic. Uh, your classes don't exist anymore. You're just people. But you get to fight zombies all the time. Pros, cons. Fair trade. Uh, so were, were you guys expecting this from this manner? I know, I've been planting the seeds of this like party for, it feels like, two or three months now. Uh, and the seeds of your mom working for these people since the beginning of the adventure. I just feel like you're going like, to kill my mom. Like, like she's dead. Why did you do that? I assume she's. Why would you do this to me? Why would I do this to you? Feels Why would any mean. GM ever use the family of the players' <laughs> characters in any situation? There's no precedent for that here. <laughs> Maybe I should make all of my characters orphans. <laughs> well, that's it's an option. A lot of people do that. Yeah, a lot of people do that. Edgy rogues uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, so I kind of want to talk to you guys about that. What, what do you think? Like. You know, maybe pros and cons of your of putting your family in your backstory uh, and what you guys prefer to do for your characters. Uh, we'll start with you, Haley, because you're currently experiencing some of the downside, I guess, of doing that. Yeah, I like to keep family ties to the character. Um, I think that it helps ground a character sometimes. Um, it does make it a little difficult in my opinion. Like I totally understand the orphan side and like the, like have no family. If you're going to go on a big, big traveling type of adventure, then I kind of get it. Cause like, then you go through that, like debate mentally of do I, I don't know, do I, do I really want to leave and go on this major adventure f- away from my family versus I like this one a little bit because like or even any adventure where you're going to be in the same place for a while you develop a relationship with people then travel it feels more uh it makes more sense to leave family I guess because then you've developed a relationship before you just like up and go so that's I like to have a family though yeah I think you know you you set precedent for kind of both sides with your characters not necessarily being an orphan but just like being estranged from your family which I think is kind of in a similar vein to being an orphan, but allows the GM to play around with the -hmm. people in your life in the background still gives you the freedom to kind of go wherever you want because you're not tied down. Uh, And then obviously this scenario where your mom lives in the same, I wouldn't say like neighborhood, but like the same part of old Corvosa as you, you know, you've already visited her twice Mm -hmm. this adventure and you were already worried about her when you saw old corvosa get quarantined 
Yep, yeah. I was. And, and that now. didn't stop you. <laughs> well, now you know she's not an old Corvosa. Yeah. <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> For adventures like this where we're in the same city, it really raises the stakes if you have connections to your family because things like this can happen. And I think if you if you give those connections to your character and help ground them in the city with the family, you do have to be prepared to lose them or have some sort of issue with them if you have that connection. Because as a player, you're not in control of the full story. So if you if you write them into your backstory, you do have to be ready to lose them. And that's happened to me in some other uh, some other adventure paths. And it can be a defining moment for your character to like keep pushing them forward as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And for everyone, the character that you're playing is the means by which you're experiencing the adventure, you know. Uh, and I feel like I'm usually thinking about just from a hook perspective, usually when I'm creating a character. So like if, if a family member makes a convenient hook to be in the story, you know, I might pick that, but it's not something I feel like I'm tied to ever. Usually I'm, I'm not thinking as much about family as I am. It's like, okay, what hook makes sense to, for this character to be in this place to maybe like add a connection or add a tie. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it might be an employer or a business or a, a companion or, you know, so, Anything along those lines. There yeah. are definitely certain character concepts, you know, especially with Diego being a Duskwalker, like having died yeah. and maybe having lived multiple lives where it doesn't really make sense for you to even have family ties as a backstory because, you know, the, the just the mechanical way that ancestor, that heritage works is you don't fully remember any of the past and you're maybe not actually as old as you appear, um, at least, you know, the first time. Uh, when you come back. So it, yeah, it makes it, it, it almost would make it more difficult for me to be like, all right, how am I going to, how am I going to tie a family in to this character? And I think it works well to kind of have that found family per se that are ties to like, you know, NPCs in the adventure, such as Thousand Bones and Gaken that, you know, allow you to kind of have something of a family aspect, but it's not the same. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, it's definitely a character to character thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and sometimes it makes sense to, you know, not to shit on edgy rogues that do the orphan thing. But sometimes being an orphan can be kind of a defining thing for your character, too, because, you know, because of the way you were orphaned or yeah. that kind of thing. And for generic adventures, I think the one thing that maybe some players jump to is, you know, like Haley was saying, how do I... Uh, have a character that is okay just leaving where they are and going on this magical adventure. An easy way is to jump to it is, oh, my ties are all dead. I have no ties anymore. I am orphan, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the ways to accomplish that. So, I mean, it it makes sense that that's something that people uh, drift to, you know. Mm -hmm. It makes it way easier. Like, yeah. it's it's a little, it's so hard in my head because I think about myself as a human and it would be very difficult for me to go on a dangerous adventure with a bunch of people that I don't know and have never met where I know there's a good chance of death when I am level one and have almost no experience as well just up and up and leave my family and my family be like yeah that's cool it's a different than me saying hey family I'm gonna go to college and I will be out of state and leaving you but that's like a known, like, safe thing. And like, because that's the equivalent. I'm a level one person going into college, right? Like level one in life experience going into college away from family. But I'm also not going to be fighting for my life. <laughs> 
There's definitely, and I've been, while you guys have been talking, I've been trying to kind of coalesce my thoughts here. There's definitely like a term paper that could be written about this subject, I feel like. And if you, this isn't universal for every TTRP, TTRPG character that's ever been played, obviously. We've thrown out the like edgy orphan rogue thing a couple times already. But there, there's bits and pieces of all of us in these characters. Like if you look at character to character on this show, I can see bits of all of our different personalities in the characters that we're playing. And a, a lot of times TTRPGs can be a good way to stretch. It's in, in stretch some thought muscles. Like it's a good thought exercise. Like, okay, there are parallels between me and the character that I'm playing. What, you know, discounting the fact that there's magic and like definitive gods in this imaginary world or whatever. Like what would life be like if I did not have the pillars of family that I did today and the pillars of family that I grew up with were just like just an elderly grandfather that couldn't remember anything. Like what would life be like? So there's, there's definitely interesting thought experiments that you can conduct as you're building characters and playing out different backstories and definitely different family structures. I wish I had more time to like think about this question and put together more of a thorough answer, but it it's interesting. I definitely like playing with family members tied to stories. I, I do this a lot, but it, it doesn't always fit like y'all have said multiple times. So I don't know. It's just interesting. And I like doing it because it's interesting. Yeah, as a, from, a, from a GM's perspective, because I often am the GM for you guys, it's a really solid hook. Like, you're you're giving me a really solid hook in your backstories with your families, mostly because none of you say, like, this is how my family has to be, and this is how they have to, you know, th- this is, here's the two pages of my family's backstory mm-hmm. <laughs> that, uh, you know, that defines them. It's more like, hey, I have this family. Hey, you know, like when Emily came to me, I want to be a part of a noble house. I don't know which one, but like, that, that's what I want in my, in my backstory. That's what I want my family to be tied to. And it's like, okay, there's so much I can do with that. Uh, and then, you know, we came up with the family together and there's obviously like a much deeper hook that's going to play out with, with her family ties just as you know, we've found bits and pieces from like Sazzy and, and the background there. There's obviously like a much deeper hook with Vex grandfather that we haven't figured out yet. But even even like Mir's mom, you can see it's taken until book two or book one and three quarters to get to the hook that I set in episode four. Mm-hmm. Um, to get to the part of the adventure where her employer is actually going to be important and where there's going to be a backstory defining moment for Mir. And you just don't get to do that with the orphan thing. I think to, to, you know, Chris's point, often you can do it with other stuff. You can do it with an employer. You can do it like, you know, it was really fun to change the adventure so that, the old fishery was actually, you know, Relby mercantile and that kind of stuff like to change that for your players so that it means something to them. But I think oftentimes like the family hooks end up being those like book four, book five, like really deep set hooks that play out and uh, pay off really well. So, um, so I always like when you guys, when you guys include family, um, just because it, it gives me, 
it gives me that kind of it, it forces you to show that other side of your character that this is actually how my character interacts with their family piece, mm-hmm. um, which I think is different than how they interact with the world and the party. And on that note, I'd like to give Sylvie the hero point this week because of the way she showed how she interacts with her family in the in the scene where you know <laughs> we're bringing bringing this kind of group of rough roughnecks to the posh Fordyce home and uh, and trying to skirt around the fact that they're a group of adventurers rather than a group of classmates. So um, this hero point comes from Ben Vereen. It, it says, uh, if your daring do becomes a daring don't, use this. Oh, I like that. That's clever. Yeah. I definitely will. I have a few of those. <laughs> yeah, even more than ha- having a solid connection um, to the story, I think it's more important to have a place to host dinner parties in an adventure. So <laughs> we, we definitely have that. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh... That's huge. It's big. It's a big. A dinner party uh, venue is is a must have. A couple extra gold to start the adventure. Oh. I didn't actually give her that. <laughs> that would have been nice. I think there is a mechanical background that gives you a little extra surprised. gold. At least there know. definitely wasn't one. First, there yeah, there wasn't first edition yeah. for sure. I don't know if there's one that give. I think first edition it was like an extra 150 gold at level one, yeah. which is like double wealth by level for most classes, which was kind of cool. But anyway, when last we left our heroes, they um, they stayed the night at the Fordyce household and then went to investigate South Shore, where Mir's mother was supposed to be working at a party for the Carowin family. They met a woman asking about her brother, who you guys learned his name is Ruan, a kind of famed ocarina player or at least like a prodigy he's like 16 years old she kind of described him to you he's a verisian teenager with dark hair dark eyes you made your way up the path to the manor and saw that although like the decorations were still hung for this party they were starting to look old worse for wear as if the party had already happened some time ago and when you broke down the door you looked in and saw a gruesome murder scene. Uh, but in the midst of that scene, several shambling corpses, and you heard the voice of who you can only imagine is Jolstina Suspirio, um, who basically said there's some new playthings have entered the manor, and that uh, Rolfi will quite enjoy uh, some new bodies to work on. Mm. And so I think we're going to start with initiative here. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Mir use that uh, pretty good thievery check if you want. I think it was a 25. It was. Um, and then everyone else, uh, you know, Diego, you were right there to kind of use uh, athletics to bust down the door if the thievery didn't work. So I'm going to say you're like ready to go if you want to use athletics. Awesome. Everyone else, I would say, probably is going to use perception here. I'm right where I want to be. All right, let's get Diego's here. That makes me feel like you're not. <laughs> roll day uh, 24 total. Good roll. How about Sylvie? 23. 23, okay. And then Vec? Everyone's in the 20s. I got that 14. 
Classic, classic Vec with the 14. But I, I, I was kind of, it, it was jovial and kind of jokey, but I generally do want to go after people to get a good idea of what's going on and what I need to do. And I think I might know what I need to do. So let's see. Very fair. So now that you guys have opened and kind of like taken the first step into this room, you can see that a massacre took place in here. On the marble floor, there's heaped in the corners more than a dozen corpses, and they're each clad in garish outfits of like sequined velvet and revealing silk and feathers and uh, masks of all shapes and sizes, each competing with the last in terms of elaborateness adorned the dead. In several cases, though, these fanciful adornments have fallen away, revealing withered flesh covered in the telltale blisters of blood veil. Most horrifyingly, upon a blood-slick space cleared at the room's center, sway multiple couples jerking like hellish dancers, all obviously dead. From upstairs, what I need to know first is if a 35 beats everyone's perception DC. Which would be what? 10 plus your perception. That's a critical success against Diego's. That's a crit and a half against Beck. Okay. Also yeah, a crit for Sylvie. Very barely a crit against Mir. So although the voice, you, you heard the voice in the back of this room, you do not see where Jolstina is until you hear the whistling shot of an arrow from the balcony upstairs as it flies towards the front line of the party. Diego, this is going to be against your flat-footed. That is a 34 to hit. Yeah, that's a crit uh, with my regular AC. Okay. So that is going to be 44 points of damage. Ooh. And because it was a crit... Well, actually, I don't believe that does get doubled on a crit. Does persistent usually get doubled on a crit? I think so, yeah. Okay. You are bleeding 2d6. Oh, no. That's a lot. Dear Lord. Is it 2d6 or is it two times whatever the d6 is? It would be 1d6, so it may just be two times the, the 1d6. That's not good. No, that hurts pretty bad. Uh, so now you see this woman in like a dancer's outfit upstairs her face like kind of painted motley and you see her move back from the balcony and stealth to disappear to hide can you point out where on the map uh that was because i'm not sure so as you're looking into the room you see this shambling horde in this square shaped room the balcony is up above here looking down okay. on on this room and the entrance hallway. Uh, so you can see that the balcony wraps kind of around this open area okay. in here. And yes, she, she moves away, so she's going to attempt to stealth. Let's see what I can get here. So 37, she's gonna, you know, she's gonna be hidden from, from you guys at this point. Hey, before we move any further in the the crit rules, benefits you gain. I don't know exactly where that persistent came from, mm -hmm. but benefits you gain specifically from a critical hit, like a flaming weapons rune persistent fire damage, or the extra damage die from the fatal weapon trait aren't doubled. Okay, this is from a rune. Okay. So I'm going to say it's probably not doubled. Oh, okay. okay. So it's just 1d6 bleed then. Uh, this, uh, you know, 
you guys will learn later what kind of rune that is, but um, oh. yes, it's from a rune, not from an ability. So, as long as we're successful. Uh, so yeah, one, 1d6 bleed. Yeah, as long as you're successful. <laughs> <laughs> Next in the order, you start to hear this discordant fiddling. Almost as if, like, a a beautiful song is being like turned into the minor key and made creepy. Mm. Um, and you see a creature fiddling all the while move into the hall. Let's see how far I can let you do it. Uh, so within a 30-foot emanation, which is going to include all of you, I need you all to make a will save. Okay. This is an auditory emotion enchantment mental effect. If any of those would give you some sort of bonus. This seems way too early to use the hero point, but I rolled bad. Yeah, I'm not happy with my roll either. Uh, You know what? I'm going to do it because I'm afraid that I might get swept up in the dance myself or something, you know, and not be able to contribute. So I'm going to spend the hero point and reroll. Okay. Oh, way, way, way better. 28 total. My will save is also really low, and I just got a hero point, so I am... I'm going to use my hero point as well. Okay. Mira got a 25 total, and Figgy got a 32 total. Okay, Figgy critically succeeds. Yeah, Figgy rolled a 19. (laughs) No. I got a 16. Okay. So, here's what happens. Mira... And Vec, you can't use actions with the move trait except to dance, which uses the stride action to move up to half your speed. That's because I succeeded? That's because you succeeded. So basically your speed is cut in half because you have to dance while you move. But, uh, okay. you know, if you're not moving, it doesn't. there's no negative effect. For Diego and Sylvie, you also have that success condition. So when you move, you move at half speed. However, you must also spend at least one action each turn dancing. Ah. Uh. There is no critical failure condition. So that's as bad as it gets, Sylvie. Thank goodness, because I rolled a natural one on my hero point roll. Oh, oh. so sad. That is a bummer. However, that is the creature's full turn, and it is now Mir's turn. Yay! Okay, neat. I could create some difficult terrain so that it makes it a little more difficult for this thing and others to move around and get to us, which I think would probably be good. All right. Well, so uh, because I want to create some difficult terrain and potentially do some damage, I will be doing doing what I do, which is (laughs) using scatter screen right in front of the open two open like doorways which the emotional fiddling bones is standing uh, in one of those squares yep so which save do you need a reflex save Ooh, not great 18 18 will fail so since that fails uh you're gonna take 12 points of damage 12 points of what type bludgeoning okay so there's that. That's two actions, and I, that that gives a solid amount of difficult terrain right in like all the openings that I can see. Mm-hmm. So that was the game plan there. And then I have one more action remaining. 
So with the last action I've got, I'm actually gonna um, command Figgy to run up to the fiddling bones and attack at it. Let's see though, what attack do I want to use? Cause I probably want to make sure I'm using, I don't know, it's a skeleton. That's kind of, I don't know what damage is better for that. <laughs> probably bludgeoning. Yeah, you're safe with bludgeoning usually. All right, and I think jaws are bludgeoning. Anyways, he's gonna bite at the fiddling bones. Okay. And it's a natural one, so <laughs> Figgy runs up and uh, just misses. All right, it's Diego's turn. Okay, Diego is affected by the need to dance, so he's got an action to spend doing that. Uh, and, and Griffin, I, I, I'm i familiar with this creature enough that I know that you're supposed to describe which dance you do, right? Yeah, that's actually, you know, or else you have to dance twice. Wow. Oh. Well, Diego uh, fumbles clumsily at a at a dance. He's he's not. I don't think he's really a dancer. Um, uh, two actions left. I am a little worried about the. Now you can you can move with the dance. Oh, I can. That's still considered dancing. Oh, okay. You know, you just have to use a move action every turn. Okay, that is good to know. Then what I'll do instead is I'll spend my first two actions casting mirror image on myself. This is my second level occult spell that I've got. Okay, very cool. So, mirror images on me, and then I will spend an action dancing to move at half speed, potentially close the lines with Figgy in front of this difficult terrain. Is that going to cause any problems for your turn, Emily, if uh, Diego moves there? I I also don't know if I want to move because we've got doors. If I move there, we've got doors behind us that something could could come through and hit the back line. Maybe the best thing to do is just stay in place here. Yeah. The tricky thing with only being able to move half speed, that makes like Sylvie going up and tumbling through difficult. You could enter your... Well, no, you couldn't. You have to move as your last action. So, yep. Um... Yeah, I don't like the idea of leaving those doors closed. But everything here is kind of mindless, so maybe I, yeah, he'll he'll move there and end his turn with right. Figgy closing the closing the gap. So now you'll take a D6 of bleed. Roll a recovery check. Does not recover. Okay. Looks like that's six points of bleed. Yeesh. Sylvie, you're up. Sylvie's gonna follow Diego's lead, and she casts blur on herself make it a little more difficult for someone to shoot her with an arrow. Sylvie's image becomes blurry as she as she dances up. She's going to do the foxtrot. Hell yeah. As she <laughs> moves up. Uh, and so she has 15 feet of move speed moving at half speed. So can she enter the scatter scree? Nope. That square is difficult terrain, okay. so you have to be outside of it. All right, then she is just going to move up right behind Diego, and she can't get up close enough to uh, threaten anyone at this point, but that's as far as she can move. Okay. It is the dancer's turn. They all kind of dance over, and then for one action, I'm going to need... I'm going to need everyone to make... Or not everyone... Of course not, everyone. Just Diego and Figgy to make me a reflex save, please. Okay. Okay. 22. 22 is a success. 
And a 20. 20 is also a success. You guys are going to take Yay. half of this damage. You take half of 14, which is seven damage. This is bludgeoning if it matters at all to you. But because they're zombies and slowed, that is all they can do this turn. Mm. And so it is Mr. Relby's turn. I'm so excited. I have a plan. So when I got to level six, I took a new level three spell that I did not reveal when we leveled up. It's time to use it. So seeing these shambling, dancing couples together, waltzing over towards our friends and dealing damage to them. We got Diego and Figgy holding a line with Sylvie right behind them in this like 10 foot wide hallway. Mirrors right at the entrance to this manor and Vec and Gaken are in the back. Vec points his hand out with a finger like Ace Attorney pointing at um, at all of these dancing couples and says, hey, leave room for Aradin. And he casts a wall of virtue. <laughs> so this is that wall of chastity. <laughs> pretty close. So I am going to draw something on the map here. Basically, this wall cuts through basically from right in front of Gaken down the hallway, through the shambling bone squares, and through the entirety of this mass of zombies. Okay. So one thing potentially, too, is I don't know if there's a way to get it to go, like, into the other room, potentially, but that could be an option as well. It's just it's just a line or a radius, which isn't going to do us much good in the, like this tight quarter here. But this way, the... the the swarm of zombies is too large, basically, to ever get out of this. Gotcha. That's gotcha. my thing. Okay. Even though it doesn't cut it off. And this also cuts through the shambling bones, which I wasn't expecting to get with this. So that does take three actions. A couple things are going to happen. First of all, this wall of golden light cuts through the undead here. And we're going to be doing some good and some positive damage, a D8 of both. At the start of creature's turns. Oh shit, you're right, you're right. We talked about this and I totally forgot. But something else does happen. And that's because Vec is in his moderate curse with these winds whipping about him outside. Three hit points bleed off into either a target of the spell or one of the nearest creatures to him, which would be Gaken, which means that Diego heals three hit points. Nice, I need that for sure. Very solid. It's a level three spell, so one of my most costly, but in this situation, I think it's probably going to be worth it. Yeah. Okay. It is the Fiddling Bones' turn, so I believe this procs at the start of its turn. You got it. So that's going to be four points of good damage. And is this just a no-save straight damage because it's in the wall? Straight damage, baby. Okay, four points of good. It doesn't say, like, basic save or anything. And then six points of positive. Okay, it takes all of that. It doesn't appear to be extra impacted by any of that. That's fine. And it is going to... Let's see. I'm going to start with a stamping foot at Diego. What is that? (laughs) He's stomping his feet to the beat. Hmm. But with only a 19, I don't think that'll do it. Nope. He is then going to uh, kind of, as as he's as he's playing this song on the uh, on the violin, he takes the uh, 
um, <laughs> takes the string and uh, smacks you, tries to smack you across the face with it. Uh, that's a 20. It's going to miss. Okay. And then, unfortunately, like, he's got to move out of this, but he cannot step because he's in difficult terrain, so he is going to move back, but that is going to proc an attack of opportunity. It sure is. Scatter scree for the win. Here comes a strike. 30 to hit. Oh, 30 is a critical hit. Oh, hell yeah. That's what you like Uh, to hear. I'm not raging, but this still should do a good chunk of damage. Oh, wait, that's low damage. Uh, Mm. 20 points of bludgeoning total. 20 points of bludgeoning all appears to go through. Um, Now, remind me with attack of opportunity, does that disrupt movement on a crit or does it just disrupt manipulate actions? Oh, good question. Only manipulate actions. Okay, so it is going to continue up these stairs um, just so it can be away from the this wall that just, you know, shocked it as it, as it tried to um, begin combat. Another thing uh, forgot to add, though, is that you missed me on two attacks, but I have mirror image, so it does break two of my images okay. that I've got because those were uh, just regular fails. Mirror, you're up next. All right. Well. I think you cast mirror image. It's just like three mirrors. <laughs> three mirrors oh, standing yeah. around you. Very funny. I do like to, the idea that he becomes more ethereal and like the three, the other images were like other warriors that look resemble close to him, yeah. but like embody different aspects of like some fighting style. Did we, we have no information about the horde, right? Or like. You do not. Ugh, I wish I would know better what would hurt it more. You could make a religion check to know Yeah, more. um, not gonna be very good. Or, you know, a a lore check, depending on what lures you have. It is like a large area of zombies, though, so anything that could target a bunch of squares. Yeah, I was just mm-hmm. thinking, I've got like, so it's, it's technically a five-foot cube type of spell, so it is, it's not targeting a person, so that's always good. And it is called Spout, which it would be a more more bludgeoning. So if bludgeoning's good, that'd be good. So here's the. Um, I, I just want to. Um, I just want to clarify if you're mm-hmm. going to use like a five foot square thing, um, because I think there's there's something in the text about it needing to be big enough to impact four squares. Let me just find it. Yeah, I just want to make sure you're not burning it to, right? You know, and it doesn't work. If it does work, that's awesome. But um, so that's the damage. Should be in troop defenses, I think. Yeah, it's just a big entry. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> trying to skim it. A damaging area effect or multi-target effect can cross Oh nope, I'm thinking of uh, non-damaging effects. So if it's a non-damaging effect, it has to impact at least four squares of the troop for it to work. Okay, uh, okay. But, but, you know, your spell is still an area effect if it's a, you know, five-foot burst or a five-foot, you know, it doesn't... I think in that case, I will go ahead and do this spout. It's not a, it's not like a huge amount of damage, but also I think that'll help, and it's the only thing I can see right now is this giant troop. So... I will be using the cantrip spout. It is uh, a five-foot cube, and water will blast upwards, coming out of the ground, rising from a pool, or even manifesting from thin air. 
and any creatures in the area will take bludgeoning damage equal to a d4 plus your spellcasting ability modifier with a reflex save. So I can target basically this thing and... um, my reflex save, 29. Okay, great. So it will take half damage and it's going to take, well, nine damage total, so I'm only going to take half of that. That was not great damage. I think it does a little bit extra damage. Nice. Okay, good to hear. So that is everything on Mir. Mir is now going to honestly probably going to go ahead and pass it over to Figgy and command. Well, it's troop. I just don't know how troops work. Wish you, I knew more about that. You can strike at them normally. You can? Yeah. Uh, a melee strike, they, they have like thresholds of HP and a melee strike just can't take it past more than one threshold basically, but it can do damage. Yeah. So if you like hit it for 50 damage, it would probably only do like 20 because of where the thresholds are. Oh, okay. I was like, that's a that's a lot of not damage happening. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, Figgy is then gonna bite and claw. So, can a first bite, and that's a sixteen on the die for twenty seven. A twenty seven does hit. Okay, fantastic. That is eight points of damage, and then he's going to claw. What type of damage is that? That's bludgeoning. No, actually piercing. My bad. Thought. I always forget which one's which, because uh, I'm used to Pathfinder Winnie where I think bites were like all three or something. You can pick, yeah. And then gonna go ahead and with the uh, claw, and that uh, wasn't great. Yep, that's a mess. 14 on the die, but it still only goes up to 21. It is Diego's turn. Okay, so Diego is is was the uh, fiddler sustaining the. Um, is that is it just like for a, a duration that I've got to be dancing? Yep. Okay, so I am so still. Yeah, or so no you're longer? still in it for until he ceases. Okay, because he, he spent he spent an action on his turn sustaining. I'm guessing. He can, okay. If he attacks with the fiddle. Oh, nice. All right, so I am going to for my first action rage. Uh, my maul starts uh, vibrating with some positive energy. Uh, and then I am going to try to take a strike at the horde. 25 to hit. 25 does hit. Wonderful. That is 18 points of bludgeoning and three points of positive energy damage. Okay. It appears you've taken it to a threshold. Nice. So that is my first two actions. For my last, I'm going to be dancing, but I'm going to be dancing to the side a little bit. Uh, leaving an opening for Sylvia to, to do her thing. And what uh, dance move was that? Again, some clumsy, you know, half-enthusiastic dance. You clumsy like, Dougie? Yeah, yeah. Little clumsy Dougie up there? Ooh, he got off easy. One nice. bleed. Let me see if I recover. Two on the die. I do not. All right, now Sylvia's up. All right, since Diego has left her an opening, Sylvie is going to activate her bracelet of dashing to gain an additional 10 feet of move speed. So now when she does dance up, she can ha- she has enough move speed to attempt to tumble through this horde's square and then end up right next to Figgy after the fact. Okay, let's get that tumble through. That is a 25. 25 is a success. All right, so she is in a state of panache, and that was her dancing move action. So she has one 
action left. And if the board can be flat-footed, uh, it is flat-footed against her attacks and she's successfully tumbled through and she's going to use her finisher, her confident finisher, to sure. twirl with her dance as she attacks. Ooh, that is a 29. 29 is a hit. All right. That is 18 points of damage. And uh, with her rapier, that is piercing. Okay. And that's her full turn, all three actions. Sounds good. Next is the Shambler Troop. All right. Didn't leave room for Aridin yet, so... <laughs> Physically cannot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Four points of good damage. This is AoE because the line's cutting all the way through them. And then seven points of positive damage. Okay. Do those count as separate sources of damage? I think they do. I imagine so. So so what was your total damage? Uh, Four good, seven positive. So 11? Yes, sir. It's like that did a lot of extra damage. Woo! Aw, yeah. And now it's going to spend both actions making uh, Sylvie and Figgy make reflex saves. So I need reflex saves from Sylvie and Figgy. Okay. All right, well, Figgy rolled a seven for a total of a 20. Okay. Ooh, Sylvie got a 32. All right, Sylvie's unaffected. Figgy will take half. So Figgy takes half of 25, which is going to be 12 points of bludgeoning damage. Oh, and I need to reduce my threshold once again because of Vex attack. Or not Vex attack, Vex thing. My wall of virtue. (laughs) Chaste and unbroken. My wall of virtue. (laughs) Okay, it is Vex's turn now. Great. So I can't see Figgy's health bar. Is he in trouble? Uh, He's down 20 points. He's got 43 remaining. Okay, so I'm just going to keep the pressure up if this combat goes too much longer, I will flip into healing mode for Diego and Figgy. But with the uh, power of Aridin and Anime on my side, I'm going to keep the pressure up against these uh, <laughs> these undead monstrosities. I'm going to need a... Well, I have one action that's going to be a little bit of an outlier here that I don't know what to do with. So, um, Griff... This uh, this fiddler guy walked away. Is it too late to roll a knowledge check on him? No, you've seen him. You okay, can, you can roll one. Cool, thank you. Oh, I'm sure this isn't gonna do anything with a 16 religion. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a fail. Bummer. All right, well that's fine. Vec is going to again point at this crowd and said, "I told you once," and fire off another ray of this like beautiful golden energy that slams into them. I'm going to need a fortitude save because this is Disrupt Undead. Fortitude. That's only a 20. A 20 is a failure. Yeah. Hell yeah. That is 17 points of positive energy damage. Good stuff. Vec, you fire off this Disrupt Undead into like the front lines of these just like dancing couples that keep grasping out at your allies and it just pulses through the troop and they all fall limp. Oh, yeah! However, from the other room, Sylvie and Figgy and Diego have been able to see several 
zombies get more and more agitated by the noises coming from outside. And finally, this unholy zombie shambler moves out of the room and attempts to attack Sylvie. I think we're going to use some... Here, we're going to hit you with a fist here. We're going to try. We're not going to hit you with that fist. Oh, uh, you got a reaction? I would love, because a 10 is a crit failure, I would love to use my opportune repose to uh, make a melee strike against sure. the triggering foe. Let's get that strike. And it doesn't mention if this, if this uh, counts against my multiple attack penalty. It doesn't. It's, it's okay. like an AOO. Perfect. It's a worse AOO. Ooh, only a 21. 21 is a hit. Yes. Way to go. And she is not in panache, so there's no extra damage there. Only 10 damage. It takes that damage. All right. These guys uh, got some real low uh, niche. <laughs> Let's see. What's my move speed with these guys? Probably pretty slow. Yeah, and then as soon as they get into the hall, it's difficult to rain. Oh, I can see there's another entrance that I didn't block off. Well, Figgy can see it. <laughs> but they still have to approach via into the difficult terrain if they want to attack us. That's correct. Hmm. I don't know where he came from, but he looked like he went through the wall to me. How much space does the wall occupy? Five feet? Five feet, yeah. It fills the whole across thing. Here. Yeah, right. Okay, then you're good. Um, it is the Fiddler's turn. He's going to take a step up. Uh. I'll just change the shape of this sucker to get most of you here. I don't know how to rotate this guy, but... Doesn't seem like you need to. Looks like you got all of us. I don't have Sylvie. Technically not Sylvie. Uh, oh, I didn't see oh, that. The yeah. line goes right through her. Yeah. But if you rotate it, it definitely would get. Yeah, yeah. I'll, you know, I would just rotate it, get Sylvie there. Um, so I need all of you to go ahead and make a reflex. Or is it reflex? Let me check. Where is this guy? Do you see him? Is he's behind the corner firing this off? He's around the corner from you. I oh, can just now see him as Mir and Biggie. Ah, okay, okay. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and yes, give me a reflex save, everyone. Oh. 18 for Diego. 30 for Sylvie. You know what? Mir has uh two hero points. I'm gonna use one. Okay. While you do that, Vec got a 23. Figgy got a 26, and Mir got a 24. Okay. Did you roll for Gakin? Oh, Gakin is oh, in there too. Oh man. Natural one. <gasps> Ooh. All right, so uh, Diego and Gakin crit fail. Everyone else, I believe, succeeds. DC 23. I gotta use my hero point. <laughs> okay. So 19 points of damage. So those of you that succeeded will take half. Uh, Diego will take Ooh. 38 damage. Yeah. Ouch. Dang. No one is under the effect of Dance with Death anymore as this cuts off the uh, the music with a destructive finale one final stroke of the of the bow across the violin just causes like your eardrums to burst 
Ouch. It doesn't mechanically look like it has a, a deafening effect uh, on a crit fail or anything, so... Um, but, but yeah, that, that sonic damage really hurt. And that is its turn. Next in the order is Mirror. Okay, great. Glad it's Mirror's turn. Mirror's going to cast Scatter Scree to move. So that will also effectively move her line as well. Um, and she is going to cast it right again in front of the door, but now it's like covering two of the shamblers. So they have a difficult terrain and then a wall. So I will need reflex saves from both the unholy and the teeny shambler. Sure. Alright, nat 20 oh. on the unholy, which um, is probably just a regular success. That is, because it is a 22 DC, so. So it goes from a failure to a success, so he's going to take half, and then the other one, it's a 13, so a regular failure. Regular fail, yep. Okay, and that's a total of 16 points of damage, and um, they will take, you know, either 16 or... And so that is um, Mir's turn. And then, well, that's two actions of Mir's turn, but I do think that her next thing will be, can Figgy technically attack the fiddling bones that's around the corner here? With cover, yeah. And cover would be me doing something or you doing something? Cover would be, it gets a plus two to its AC because it is blocked by a wall between middle of uh, Figgy and middle of it. Okay. Well, uh, Figgy is going to reach out and try to bite at it. Okay. And that is a seven on the die for an 18. 18 is a miss. Okay, great. And then he's going to try and claw. Okay, so you're spending your last action to command Figgy. Uh, yes, sorry. I meant to say that. And that is a 15 on the die for a 22. A 22 meets beats with the cover. Nice. nice. All right. And damage for that is only six points, uh, or six on the die plus three. Um, so nine points total of uh, slashing. Nine points of slashing. Let's see. It does resist slashing. However, I make it? with three hit points left and yeah. four damage dealt with the resistance, that is a dead fiddle bones. Oh, Yay! nice. So it crumbles to the ground after getting to use its uh, destructive finale. That's good. Figgy doesn't like loud noises, so. All right, Diego, you're up. All right, Diego is going to move up 10 feet. There's this line of three zombies stacked up in front of Sylvie, and Diego's moving adjacent to the first one. He is going to actually, his first strike out is going to be at the middle uh, zombie in the pack. Okay. 21 to hit. 21 does hit. All right. 22 points of bludgeoning and three positive damage. It's a very dead zombie shambler. Yes. All right. And then I will just take my next attack at the one that's uh, Sylvia and I are adjacent to. 13 on the die. I think it's going to hit two with a 23. That is a critical hit. Oh, Ooh. man. Lovely. Oh, so that's 34 points of bludgeoning damage and six positive, which I'm sure oh. it's not. It just. It. Pops like a meat balloon. Oh god! Like this, it, it's it's like wearing like this this zebra mask and like almost has like a a zebra print 
kind of robe attire, like the satin, and uh, basically all the white stripes turn to red stripes oh, as it pops boy. inside of the... Black, white, and red all over, baby. <laughs> yeah. I call that dance move the death drop. <laughs> That's his turn. Sylvie. Oh, yes, I gotta take some bleed, too. Yeah, let me go ahead and roll your bleed. It's gonna be five points of bleed. Okay. I don't recover. I'm still bleeding. Sylvie goes up to the last remaining zombie and attempts to tumble through. That is a 32. Yep, you've you've tumbled. All right, she ends up on the other side of the zombie in a state of panache, and then she will use her confident finisher. That is a 20. Uh, because when you tumble through it is flat-footed, that is a critical hit. <gasps> yeah. <Whoa. laughs> it's almost right. like regular zombies have 12 AC. Mm. Wow. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. This is 47 points of damage. Oh, my God. And if it can be frightened, it's frightened one. Yeah, it's... If um, it's not dead. If it's not dead. <laughs> it's blendered remains are terrified. <laughs> and you as a group um, you know maybe maybe you're tense for a moment because you realize that like the, you know there was this other combatant but I think you know there, there's now a very clearly open room that's away from the balcony area that you could all duck into and nobody attacks at you for for a couple rounds you feel like combat is over ooh Awesome. And what what room do you think we should be ducking into? Uh, This red room above you, the one without the doors that seems just like kind of connected to the this foyer, and it actually it actually looks like it's maybe an entertaining room. Yeah. Uh, You can see that there's a big fireplace and a couple of like comfy chairs. The windows have the curtains drawn, but you can see that you know there there's like a plate of moldering appetizers. Uh, on the table in between the two chairs, some like half drank glasses of wine and that kind of thing. That's well, neat. That's very cool. Diego is still bleeding. Mm. Yeah, Diego is still bleeding. So Mir would like to immediately treat wounds and just keep treating wounds. So I think I think we might have to kind of roll this out to see where he stabilizes because uh, he'll be bleeding every round. I think treat wounds is. A, I mean, do we not have a cantrip of stabilize? Well, I'm saying, I'm saying to remove the bleed is a separate thing. Like you yeah. need like to uh, render assistance yeah. and, and all that. Yeah, stabilize uh, doesn't doesn't stop bleed in Tui. Yeah, right. So sure, it was Sylvie's turn. Um, you know, Vec, if there's something you can do, you can certainly move up to Diego and and attempt it. Like if you want to try a medicine to um, to stop the bleeding, that's. Does a minister first aid do that or treat wounds? So there's, there's, I I believe it's administer first aid is will give him the situational bonus. So like the, the plus five to his stabilize role. Gotcha. What's the action economy on that? Is that one or two? That's should be action. Yeah. Two. Okay. So you have to move up and then. Yeah, I'll move up. Uh, He looks pretty close to death. If he goes one more round without. And it looks like he might fall. I'll definitely hit you with a uh, lay on hands there. Sure, yeah. Medicine check, natural 20. Ooh. Okay. That's a 31. I'm going to say with a nat 20, not only does that give you a 
make the DC 10, but it also gives you an immediate attempt to stabilize oh, here. Oh, uh, yeah. As if, you know, this is, this is like... Exceptional ex- aid. Yeah, exceptional aid. 16 on the die. I'm done bleeding, yeah, baby. So that comes over, uh, maybe just like a slight touch of that, like positive energy at his fingertips as he stitches you up. And it, you know, it almost feels magical in the way that he's able to to sew you together and stop the bleeding. There you go, buddy. That really hit the spot. You, you've gotten very experienced at patching my wounds up. <laughs> you give me lots of opportunity to practice, mate. Let's get you in this red room over here. Let's, let's take a moment um, and see what's going on here. Mia, I, you haven't seen your mom yet, have you? I don't think I have. The every zombie that you've seen so far looks like aristocracy. Okay. So like some sort of minor noble. You know, they're all yeah. kind of they're all kind of dressed for this gala. They're all also covered in blood veil. Ugh. Oh, I wonder if they're from no. old zombie money or new zombie money. Now that you can see some of these corpses, I would take an arcana or a medicine check. My medicine's a thirteen. I got nothing. 31 Arcana. And a 29 Medicine. Yeah, so between Sylvie and Mary, you can tell that it looks like a spell was cast on these corpses to make them appear as though they have blood veil. But they don't. But oh. they don't. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Mir's kind of trying to put the timeline together, and it's like, okay, well, if this party was like two days ago, anyone with blood veil wouldn't be like this far progressed. Right. And be like allowed into a party. Interesting. And Sylvie, you with your arcana like notice the essence of of some kind of magic on them, and you realize that it's like some kind of transfiguration that has maybe sculpted these corpses to have these like red blotches, uh, very apparent. Like it almost looks like they're more obvious than the average blood veil person patient, as if to draw attention to that. Hmm. Okay, so you guys have staunched the bleeding, and you've kind of moved into a somewhat defensive position in this almost like a entertaining room. However, there are no doors between this and the atrium, so I don't know if this is where you want to stay if you are attempting to kind of heal up and prepare for the rest of this manor. It's kind of up to you. Do you want to... You know, if you stay in here, there may be more risk uh, just because it's very difficult to barricade a non-doored entrance. Uh, However, there's also the ever-present risk of going into a room with a closed door. You never know what's going to be inside. Maybe with all that being considered, we just do a quick hit of stuff. Like, I can do one lay on hands, Mir can do a medicine or whatever, and then we can try and find something a little bit more permanent. It's not going to get anybody in great shape, but, you know, serviceable. Well, if you want to lay on hands first, since that doesn't take much time, and then mm-hmm. treat wounds takes 10 minutes, if Diego's hel- like big enough, I could do risky surgery and try and get high. Mm. So do we want to take 10 here? I think that's totally fine. Well, no matter what, if I'm yeah. going to do something, I've, it's got to be 10 yeah. minutes okay. for me. Let's get some quick hits going. Like, I think Diego will, will pull out a lesser healing potion and drink that too as well. Okay, so you're going to do the hits that take less than 10 minutes in this room and then attempt to, 
you know, find a, a better defensible yeah. spot. We're, I know in the last episode, we looked through some of the rooms there. Are, are any of the rooms that were able to be like, look through windows and stuff empty and seem defensible? So you can only look through the top floor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So, and you know, that's where at least the, the arrow came from. Uh, that that hit you at the start of the combat, Diego. So curtains are drawn in all of these rooms on the first floor. All right. So Vec is going to lay on hands, Diego. Doing so, I'm also going to activate my healer's halo to give you an extra D6 on top of this because I'm sure by the time I'm going to want to use this again, I'm gonna, it's going to be 10 minutes have gone by. Oh, three points. So we're for sure doing 10 minutes, though? We're not no, doing not 10 right minutes now. right now. Okay. Um, that is going to be 24 points of healing for you, bud. Awesome. And I also drank a healing potion that gave me 14 health, a little 2d8 plus 5 from the lesser potion. Okay. So you're sitting on like half health, maybe a little under. Where do you guys want to go? In this room, you see that there's a door to the left and a door to the right. Um, you you had noticed when you walked through the front hall, there was a door to the north and to the south uh, that you kind of pass by to fight in this combat. You know, in the atrium, there's the stairs that go upstairs. And in the atrium, there was also a double door to the south and a door to the east. So there's a couple of options here. Why don't we do this door that Vex right by? Because if you kind of look at it spatially, it's pro- it seems like it probably is just the corner of the building next to between, you know, the hallway that we walked in and the room that we are now kind of forms a little bit of an angle and it's probably just the dead space in there. It's probably isolated. Yes, I think that'd be a good idea. And cool. We, we could try to stealthily open the door and maybe we could then close it again if we do well enough on that. Sure. Hell so, yeah. So send Sylvie up to the door. Yep. Okay. Uh, why don't you give me that stealth roll? Oh, hold on. So I rolled an eight for a 20. I could hero point that, but I could get it worse. I don't know, so I'll I don't know if it's it worth it. 20. Sylvie, you open the door and um, you don't see anything inside. The coast is clear. Let us go. She'll enter the room. Um, and fortuitously in this room, now there are two doors. There's the door that um, that you think heads back out to the hallway. This looks like the northern door of those two doors. And then the door that you just came through. Um, but there's a bunch of big armchairs surrounding a circular card table in this room. You think that you could very easily barricade doors with all of this furniture. There's like a ton of furniture for such a small room. Um, so if that's what you want to do, you can certainly do that. All right, let's barricade the doors so I can start healing everyone. Perfect. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to take some time here healing. Yes. Um, do I need to roll it or no? Let's roll for the first 10 minutes. Okay. Cool. So she's going to then ward medic Diego and Figgy since I think they are the lowest two. So I will go ahead and treat wounds with on them. Can you ward medic with risky surgery or is that actually I was just reading and technically I do believe I can. So I was going to do I was considering doing that because I feel like that makes the most sense. It does mean I get a plus two also bonus to my medicine check. And so I think I would have to roll a four or I would have to roll a four or higher to succeed and get a like 20 on the die. 
to do a critical success. So I was going to do risky surgery. Basically, I'm going to dual wield some blades and cut them both up to heal. Make me a perception check, anyone that's not a part of the active healing process. Yeah, I'm refocusing to get back up to three points so I can do lay on hands in the second 10 minute interval if we go that far. Okay. So, so that was a critical success, actually, even without the risky surgery side. Awesome. So I will roll the healing. Oh, natural 20 on my perception check for a 30. Okay, so with that natural 20 on the perception, you hear, you know, as, as you guys are taking this time, you hear like the slight turn of the knob and like a push on the door. And once it meets resistance, nothing. And you also hear like fast footfalls kind of going back and forth outside. But then you hear heavy footfalls, dragging footfalls. Oh no. But it happens maybe five minutes in, like that someone seems to like check the door. And after that, it's quiet. I don't want to alarm anyone but someone's just tried the door that I'm next to to see if they can gain access. I think they've run away after seeing that I'm it's being blockaded, but there's something else out there, something larger. Okay, mate, you've lost a ton of blood. Uh, Vec rolled a natural one for an 11, <laughs> so doesn't believe him. <laughs> My cat-like ears do not lie to me. Just a heads up, I did heal both Figgy and Diego by 17 points. Awesome. How much uh, risky damage do we take? Oh, right. Good question. I forgot to do that part of the risky surgery. Ooh, the full eight. Full eight. Okay. (laughs) Still increase in health. So I've got an idea. Everyone's like everyone else is down a little bit and it's going to take us a long time to get everybody back up to, to full. So maybe I just do a three action heal with the wand and I can use my healer's halo to add a D6 for every single person in here, which will probably top most of us out. The wand will be burned up for the day, but then the healer's he- halo will reset for everybody after 10 minutes. That sounds great, because it's not like you're going to pull that out in combat usually. Right. Yeah. So I think that's what I'm going to do. So Vec is going to pull out the wand, and let's just roll the d12 to see what I get. Also, I'm going to stand next to Diego, so Diego gets the extra one hit point from my curse. Okay. That is seven points of healing for everybody. Eight for Diego. The exact risky surgery amount. <laughs> Bam. And then I'm just going to go around here and start rolling D6s. Diego, one extra. Mir, you get five more points of healing if you needed it. I didn't. Figgy, six more if you needed it. Figgy didn't need that. Sylvie, six more if you needed it. I needed some of it. Is uh, Diego still down? I am down 33. Oh, are you also considering the healing Gakin would have got from... That's why I asked, yeah. He should have... Oh, he should have got healed twice. Yeah, Yeah. you still get healed twice, I think. So another seven, because he was in the burst. I don't know if... I don't For hit point totals, I think it... Because I wouldn't take double damage if I was being hit by an area effect. 
I think it only works once for my combined hit pool. Huh, I thought you took double damage. No, because no, it's a he, fireball. He, he like no. saves twice and takes the worst. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. But I don't know about in this scenario if you... Because huh, it's not a save, it's a positive effect. Like, well, if somebody casts... I guess, I guess, yeah, because like you probably, in a mass haste, you probably can't both be hasted. You're just hasted as a group, as a pair. Yeah, I'll find a little section there. I'd, I'd say he can still do the D6, though. Like, you're still separate targets of that. Okay. Okay, another D6. That'd be good. Another four points of healing. And what are you doing with that? Like Healer's halo. It pulses and, and heals Anyone everybody. Anyone has been healed yeah. by one effect gets mm-hmm. an extra D6. So he did a three-action gotcha. heal to heal everybody, and then everybody gets an extra D6. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like, I mean... Mir's at all the way and Figgy's barely down at this point. Perfect. I don't know where Diego's sitting. I am down 29. Do we want to do another like one more 10 minute treat wounds and lay on hands combo? That would be good, yeah. Okay. Okie dokes. I will also go ahead and just add Figgy in so I can get him all the way up. Yeah, it's fine. Sylvie's gonna move uh to the other end of the room where she's closer to both doors. So if if anything tries to get in again or does get in, she's ready. Okay. Well, I got a nat 20 on that treat wounds and Ooh. I wasn't even doing risky surgery, but it's still going to be a critical success. And so that means there's 48 of hit points and that's 13. Oh, yeah. And then the play on hands, right? Yeah. I just want to make sure that my intervals are right. So I finished this with three focus points which I think you cast it at the start of the I, 10 minutes right so if we if we if we're here for 20 I can do it one more time and then I'll be focused back up afterwards so then I'll be full okay cool so then um, another 21 static and I can roll the extra d6 if you need it no need I'm at full so yeah sweet thank you all okay so you guys you guys spend 20 minutes kind of barricaded in this room and I'll say you know you it takes a little bit of time, but with with Diego's strength and now that he's not injured, it's fairly easy to unbarricade this room. You potentially have a fallback spot if you. Um, Do we want to only unbarricade one of the doors so that yes. the other one stays? Yeah, awesome. Diego can unbarricade the south door that he's by and then open it if that's all right to do. That's fine. Um, opening the door, you do see immediately. A zombie is a zombie. A zombie shambler. A zombie shambler. A a zombie shambler, kind of like waiting and like resting against the banister of this staircase upstairs. It looks like, you know, as you listen now that you have a door open, you can hear multiple kind of groans, as if the room has filled up in some way. Friends. The zombie threat has drifted over to the rooms we were just in. Prepare for combat. I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to enter initiative here. All right. Oh, a 17 on the die for Mir. That's a 31 initiative. 17 for Diego. 26 for Sylvie. 26 for Vac. Best friends. Sylvie can go first, of course. Why, thank you. Mir, you're up at the start of this. Oh, wow. All right. Mir can't see anything. 
So she is going to walk outside the door right in front. Oh, my God. Yeah, so walking, oh my God. walking outside, you see this, you know, you see the shambler that Diego had seen on the stairs. You also see into the red room that you had just been in. There's a shambler just waiting right in the entrance of the doorway you ran in through. And there are two of these just huge bloated party guests uh, that look like they've just been gorging on rotten food for the past two days, like endlessly, and it's made them these huge zombie creatures. So we're actually looking at a lot of zombies here. Not not quite a whole dancing party, but a lot. And I mean, she's going to do what she did last time, actually, and place some difficult terrain immediately putting the line right over the caustic zombie shambler who's on that railing and one step in. So I'll need reflex save from the caustic zombie shambler. Sure thing. That is a 10. So that is a critical failure. So they will take uh, 26 points of damage. Yeah. Ooh. Nice. That is a very good start. That is a dead shambler. Nice. Rob zombie, more like 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 rock rocked zombie, no, right? More like you robbed my zombie. Oh, you robbed yeah. my zombie from me. <laughs> and then Figgy is actually just going to go ahead and follow Mir on out and stand next to Mir, and that is his whole turn and Mir's turn. Okay. Mir, this is gonna be against your flat footed. Okay. Why? Um well same tactics as last round. An arrow. Oh, from up above. We should have opened the red room door. However, yes. with a natural two, that's only a 21. Against what, flat-footed? Yeah, so your AC minus two. Yeah, so that uh, meets beats. Oof. Okay. Um, so you're going to take uh, 20 damage. Okay. Plus... 1d6 of bleed. Nine points of sneak attack, because you were flat-footed. Mm. And then plus a d6 of bleed. And then she's going to move away and stealth. That hurt a lot. Yeah, so she's got a, you know, another 37 on the stealth. Uh, she moves away Ooh. from the railing and uh, you kind of lose her in the upstairs. She's still firing arrows out here. Sylvie, you're up. Sylvie knows she needs to enter the room, but she does not want to stay in the atrium. I shall not linger long. And she will start moving, so she's outside the room and she has just enough movement that she can attempt to move up and then tumble behind the zombie that's blocking the red room. Uh, That was a 33 acrobatics. Yeah, you got it. Sweet. Oh no, there's another one in the room too. Yikes. Well, at least she can't be targeted with an arrow. She's in a state of panache. She's going to use her confident finisher to attack the flat-footed zombie. Sure. Ooh, that is a 33. Yeah. Which means you double crit, which means it goes back to a miss. <gasps> Damn. Sorry, that's the rules. Sorry, that's the system. Tui's brutal. Hey. Brutal. I you think got a ten, you got a 10. <laughs> increment of 10. I'm uh, too yes. good. <laughs> that's a... Uh, it's a super crit. That's how they the, prevent uh, min-maxing. Yeah. 
That's why that's why I throw shamblers at you guys. So <laughs> that you're gonna double crit. So you- Only thirty-seven points of damage this time, and potentially frightened. Uh, it's very dead. Perfect. And Sylvie still has one more action. She's in a room with two zombies, so she is going to put up a shield. Sounds good. It's Vec's turn. All right, following Sylvie, Vec comes running out the room. Come on. 15. Oh, dear. These <laughs> big zombies are large. Um, they're quite large. So he passes, uh, he passes Diego, passes Mir on the way out, and then ducks behind Mir and Figgy. He didn't have to move terribly far. Now he's basically back where he started the episode, right at the front gate into this manor, but has a good bead on this big old brute that's standing where the original dancing horde was. And I'm going to need a fortitude save as he slings out another disrupt undead in the form of a big burst of golden light from his palm. Sure. Ooh, not going to be good. That's only an 18. An 18 is a regular failure. Yeah. Oh, my God. Minimum damage. 3d6. One, 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 plus my casting modifier, four. So that is seven points of positive. Absolute dog shit. It is positive, though. Yeah. Just to affect this creature even more. That's all I can do. Okay. Next in the order is this cynical zombie brute in the room with Sylvie. It's going to move and take a swing at Sylvie. Oof. Dirty 30. That will definitely hit. Uh, So Sylvie will use her shield uh, block reaction. Okay, that's 17 points of damage. All right, so she is going to take... She's only going to take seven of that damage, but uh, her shield just completely shatters. Yep, can't use it for... What is it, a minute? I think it might be 10 minutes. Maybe. Let's see... Yep, 10 minutes. All right, that sounds good. It is the dirty zombie shambler's turn. And because Sylvie's right here, it's going to attack her with a fist. Oh, there we go. Uh, 25. Yes, that's going to hit. Okay, so you're going to take four points of bludgeoning damage, and then it's going to use an action to grab you. So you're grabbed. <gasps> Diego. Okay, Diego at the threshold of our little barricade room pauses to focus himself with rage. Positive energy ripples over his maul yet again. Then he is going to sudden charge out. So I've got uh, two strides worth of movement. 5, 10, 15. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to go help out Sylvie. So I am going to move here to try to interpose myself between the the large zombie brute and her, and then I will take a swing at the zombie shambler that has her grabbed. Okay. 29 to hit. 29 is a crit. Yeah! 26 points of bludgeoning, 6 points of positive. 
is a smear on the wall. Wonderful. Beautiful. Yay, it's my turn. So he is no longer grabbed. It is the polite zombie brute's turn. It's going to move up and still do that even into the difficult terrain. And it is going to swing at Figgy. Ugh. A juicy morsel, to be sure. 22. 22 will hit. Hmm. Okay. It's going to deal 11 points of bludgeoning damage, and Figgy is automatically pushed back five feet. Mir, you're up. She is hurting, but there is something directly here that she really wants to get rid of. It is too far away for me to move up and scatter scree and also like attack with like all my good stuff with scatter scree which sucks is that a free action to imbue your weapon with the scatter with the th- yeah it is actually. so you could have done it last round couldn't you have no does it only last around? it only lasts like a round yeah it's i'm gonna make sure yeah it only lasts around gotcha shoe that sucks I think that I will probably go ahead and do try to do something different. I'm like, I don't want to use a ton of spells because I feel like these are difficult, but not that difficult. It's like one of those weird mm-hmm. things. Right. I don't think we've gotten a great gauge on them being like super powerful yet. Yeah. So. All right. Well, you know what? I am going to cast Scatter Scree again, but I'm going to have it right over top of this person, both to- like the full... I guess full instead of uh, halfway on the stairs. I think you're making the right call. Okay, so you need a reflex. I do, yep. Only a 15. That fails, so take 11 points of damage. And then with her last action, she is going to command Figgy to uh, run up and attack. So Figgy is going to attack, and he's going to bite. A 13 on the die, that is a 24. Yep, that hits. Awesome. And that is, wow, great damage. 17 points of damage. 17 piercing damage? Yes, piercing. Okay. And that's it. Okay. You take four points of bleed. Roll your recovery check. Okay. A seven on the die. You do not recover. Sylvie. Sylvie and Diego are in a room with one of the larger zombies. Leaving your squishies to fight the other large zombie. Yeah, we're split in half here. Mm-hmm. Since we're grouped around this zombie, Sylvie's going to try something a little bit different. She moves up to get closer to the zombie, and then she is she attempts to trip the zombie. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So it's against my reflex DC. A natural 20 for a 33. Oh my God. Yeah. Critical trip. <gasps> is there so critical? There is a crit condition. Ooh, I a little, a little bit of damage, like a D6 of bludgeoning. Beautiful. Yes, 1D6 bludgeoning damage. Now, can you come do that for ours too? You wanna, <laughs> do you want to roll the bludgeoning or should I? Uh, Yeah, I just rolled it. Two. You're looking for a mixed maneuver monk there, Steve. That's mm. that's your, That's what you're going to pull that off. Sweet. Okay, that's two actions. All right. Sylvie is in a state of panache now that she tripped this this zombie. I know I take the multiple attack penalty, but she is going to use her confident finisher okay. to try to well, do some more damage on this creature. Yeah. 
Let's nope. see it. The flat-footed really lessens that impact for mm-hmm. sure. Ooh, a natural 19 for a 29. That is a critical hit. Yeah! What yes! an incredible turn. Oh my goodness. This is amazing. These zombies never learned how to parry and repost at the Orsini Academy. That's for <laughs> damn sure. That was so their... just like bloated with rotten spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvie's just poking a million holes into it. It's like a sieve now leaking. You see like oh. a cask of wine it drank leaking out. Oh. Mm. That is 41 points of damage with the potential to Ooh. frighten. 41 points of damage. Um, it is immune to mental effects. All right. But, you know, in, in one hit, I mean, plus the down, you've you've bloodied it significantly. Yes. Um, so, you know, the thing is, is leaking old food all over the ground. And it is now Vex's turn. Great. Right off the rip, Vec is standing behind his friend Mir. He's going to slap around the back with a little lay on hands and then uh, quickly pulses the healer's halo to give a little extra on top of that. Yeah. Emphasis on little. That's uh, just one. So 22 points of healing there. You're also going to have a plus two AC bonus and a 10 foot speed to your move if you're planning on moving far. From lay on hands? Yeah. I, I picked that up this level. Pretty exciting. Fly, little birdie. Fly, fly away. Yeah, if you want to get the hell out of here, you can. <laughs> Be really good at it. Um, and then with, with the two remaining actions, he's going to look at their um, brutish, engorged zombie and cast another. Disrupt undead. Let me get a fort save. Sure. That's going to be a 26. All right, that's a regular success. It was sitting on a 20 for a second, I saw. So very glad I didn't... You didn't... Uh, Crit succeed that. You're taking half damage here. All right. 12 would be the total. Half to six, but that's positive. So, you know. Yeah, this does way more damage than six. Hell yeah. It is the cynical zombie brute's turn. And unfortunately, this is a mindless creature, so it is going to stand up, provoking attacks of opportunity from both Diego and Sylvie. Oh, yeah. The double duo here. 27 to hit. 27 is a crit. Yes! Oh, the crit specialization is going to knock it prone again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes! Sylvie only got an 18. An 18 is a hit. (gasps) Whoa. 12 damage from Sylvie. 28 points of damage total, some of that positive. Um, Because of the positive, it... It just like the positive sears into it from the flat of your maul and uh, just like burns right through its core, uh, yeah. killing it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, had 30 hit points, but because of the weakness to positive, Woo. kills it. Very good. All right. Uh, well, it's Diego's turn now. We got that one down on the dance floor. Time for the other. He is going to sudden charge again, moving like completely around. Ah, to flank with the fig? To flank with the fig. Like with the figster here, like so. And then we'll make an attack at the end of that charge. 11 on the die, 26 to hit. 26 to hit. Oh man, because you got a flat footed, that's a crit. What? Wow. Crazy. Ooh, I got a 12 on one of my D12s. Not so good on the other. 42 points of damage, bludgeoning and positive in that mix. That creature. Yeah. Nice. 
You just crack it on the back of the le- if its legs, and it collapses into a pile yeah. of food. Um, I like the idea of any place he touches is like yeah, burning with positive through it. With his with his last turn, maybe get quick, get out from view of the uh, the banister, the upstairs floor. We have to we have to keep moving. So are you gonna sudden charges too, right? So you have one more action yep. to get one to more duck action. under somewhere. I could. Uh, I might peek in this this next. I don't know if I want to go into the next room with the rest of the party. You notice those doors are open now. Oh, no. You notice the other door in the hallway that leads to the east is open now, and it wasn't before. I do see that the room is empty below. I don't know about the doors leading to it, but I'll call out. There is a room with purple decor to the south that appears empty. We could head there next. Mir, is there anything you want to do for your bleeding, or are you just running for cover? and say Mir is going to take a step or like going to walk back into the room mm-hmm. and then I can administer first aid with my last two right yep and I'm sure Figster with his yeah Figgy would uh, standard follow. action or regular action would follow you in so go ahead and administer first aid here okay um let's see I always have to add that that's an eight on the die for a 23 I believe with- the DC is 20 so that's Unless a success. Mistaken, so. That's a success. So what's going to happen is you're going to take two points of bleed as your turn ends, but then then you're able to, at the end of this turn, roll at a DC a flat check of 10 instead of at 15. Okay. So go ahead and roll that. Well, I got a 15. Got a 15 either <laughs> yeah. way. So, uh, so you stabilize and you just hear those of you, those of you, so... Uh, the doors are open, so you can all hear this. But Vec, you kind of see her appear over the banister Ugh. and just smile this way too wide smile, and she just giggles. <laughs> oh, you guys are so cute trying to fight all my zombies! I can't wait to see you upstairs. My Rolthy is gonna love the four of you as trophies. And I think we'll continue the curse campaign oh, next time. Oh my goodness. This isn't her final form. The Bestow Curse Podcast is a Hideous Laughter Productions show. Hideous Laughter Productions is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Curse of the Crimson Throne is copyright 2016. Curse of the Crimson Throne and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. Paizo, Pathfinder, their respective logos, and all Paizo titles, characters, and artwork are properties of Paizo Incorporated and used with permission.